Welcome to Convo Lounge Expression Exposure Experience. Welcome to the Convalanche podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. You're with me, uh, Yandile Nuku, one of the co-hosts as usual. And uh, this is the second segment of a feature we call the HR Couch. We simply talk to leading HR talent in the country to try and understand this issue of unemployment from their perspective and what they currently experience in industry over and above that, we try and get a, sort of like a knowledge transfer or a skills transfer for them from them uh, to find out uh, what their approach is uh, towards building themselves as talent, but also building uh, quality talent pipelines. I'm joined today in studio by Mayor Cheza Balopi, who is leading HR talent um, in industry. And I do believe that she's reached all the way to Exco level in this space. And so we're going to have a candid conversation with her around the world of HR and building a high value talent. Um, thank you so much for joining us on uh, Convalange. I hope you're well. Thank you so much <laughs> for inviting me. I'm well. Fantastic. Maybe we can start it on a light note. Um, tell us a little bit about you, who you are, your background and uh, what, what you're currently working on in the HR space. Thank you so much. I've been an HR practitioner for the past uh, 27 years, 28 in June. Started off in the diamond industry and worked there for about 15 years. And then I left to join Air Botswana. And then in 2013, I joined Stanbic Bank as the head of people and culture. So um, I've worked across three industries diamond industry, aviation, and financial services. Mm. So that's me. Nice. So you work for one of the leading industries in the country. Mining, I believe, is one of the highest in private employers in the country. Um, and then financial services as well is one of our leading in, um, in industries in the country. Not only that, but they also lead even with the quality of work or the quality of pay um, in industry. So it'd be really great to hear some of the insights you have from your experience. Um, let's look at it a little bit more broadly. 20 plus years of experience. I imagine you've seen Botswana during, through its different phases when it comes to talent, employability, and the idea of looking for jobs. I think you're in the age group in Elhore. When you are done with school, you had a job waiting for you. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, I, I'm in the age group where, oh gosh, you finish school you have to you have to find your way in um you have to pass really really well there's no job waiting for you uh but you also have to do what we call creating opportunities for yourself tell us about your experiences um in the world of work in terms of at your time what was necessary for you to get an opportunity and what's the difference now uh, for young people in our times thank you i think like you rightfully say uh, back then, I mean, I was sponsored by Debswana. And so when I came back from school, I knew there would be a position for me. And I, I started off as a graduate trainee and uh, grew along and became what I am now. So I think um, it's unfortunate that we are in a space where we have young graduates who um, can't find work. It's getting more and more difficult uh, to, to find a job. Um, but once you you find it, um, it's important to hold on to it. Mm -hmm. And how you hold on to it 
is really by the attitude that you bring into the workplace. I think they say hire for attitude and then the rest of the skills you can actually help uh, somebody to build. Mm-hmm. And I think those those skills are really your personality traits, your attributes, what you bring in, your work ethic, your hunger, your passion um, to be able to get there and making sure that you have um, the competences that are required in the workplace. I mean, we are in the 4IR era where um, you know that um, as much as you have that degree, um, what what else are you doing to make sure that you are competitive? Mm. If you've both done, uh, the two, two of you are competing for a job or are looking for a job, and you've both done marketing or you, you've done business management, what sets you apart? Um, why will the employer hire you and not the other person? So I think there are skills that are now required in the workplace. And I'm not too sure, I'm not positive if uh, in terms of uh, educational institutions, whether our graduates are ready in terms of the skills that are required now. Um, your, 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 the, the, in the financial industry, for instance, um, data scientists are required because data is now a big thing. Um, you you actually monetize data now. So you need people that can actually do predictive analysis. You need people that can do data analysis. Um, you know, I mean, you are a young one, a Gen Z. You know that, um, you know, artificial intelligence, all those things, machine learning, um, robotics, those are the skills that are now required as organizations digitize and, and, and transform themselves to be able to survive in the 4IR world. Well, of course, you're, you've been on the other side. Of course, you're going through a different journey now. Uh, but what, what is it like for someone who is not in industry, a young talent, to understand how you function in industry, especially when you're in either the people department or the HR department? That's what we call now the HR business partner. Um, do you actually sit in your boardrooms and say, guys, this year or this quarter, we want to develop, we, we need to create 100 jobs or we need to create 200 jobs or it depends on what the business needs are in, in the organization as per different functions and units. Do you sit and actually think about the issue of an unemployment as HR leaders or executives? What's it like from your side? I don't think we do enough of that in terms of thinking of how do we contribute given the unemployment levels. However, like you rightfully say, we are guided by what the business actually requires. What are the skills requirements going forward given the journey uh, that the organization is on? What caliber of employee are we looking for? What skills should they have? Are these skills available in the market or we need to develop them uh, within the organization? Um, And I think we can do more as HR practitioners by actually engaging with stakeholders outside to say, these are the skills that we require and how do you help us to make sure that um, the skills are readily available in the market? Because um, what is interesting is that as much as there is high unemployment 
in organizations, you find that there is what we call a war for talent. Mm -hmm. So there is a war for talent. We fight for the few skills that are there in the market. And few skills meaning these are the skills that we require for us to be able to achieve our our goals, our strategy, and the skills are not there in the market. And so as employers, we are all fighting for that one person or two people that are in the market. And so we are paying a premium for those people uh, because they, they have a scarce skill. So I think we could do more in terms of um, engaging with stakeholders around how do we help each other so that we can actually um, help in, 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 in unemployment. However, organizations, I mean, such as the one that I I recently um, exited, they now have programs around their social um, economic uh, environment programs where they are trying to help young uh, people in terms of developing skills, whether they are entrepreneurs, um, helping them with the skills, mentoring, coaching them, providing um, financial assistance where they can, and also just making sure that, um, you know, even for their employees, um, they, they actually give them skills that will help them outside the corporate world. And I think for me, that's a good thing because it then helps. You are a chedza, you are in the workplace, you are 50, and your employer is very deliberate around making sure that you can have a side hustle and mm. give you time off to go and pursue your other interests. It, it actually uh, gives you the skills that you require for you, able, you to be able to live outside corporate mm-hmm. and to continue. And hopefully that can encourage a chedza to actually live earlier and actually then allow the organization to bring in other people into the organization. That's interesting. Um, the flexibility. And I see you're looking at it at the end of someone's career journey towards retirement. But when I look at talent today, young talent, we're already doing that. Like we are already very dynamic. Uh, we've got different interests. If I look at myself, for instance, I do multiple things. Um, do you feel organizations or in the HR space, are you open-minded to absorb such talent and give them those flexibilities at entry level to understand that you're entering an organization, but I'm a dynamic being. I'm not just these particular technical competencies that you want me for. Do you think these, you're open-minded to that or this is something that will take a bit of time? I think organizations have started, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think recognizing that, you know, there are multi-generations mm-hmm. in the workplace and we are so different. I think those of us who are in, in leadership, are, you know, in our 50s, um, but we learn a lot uh, from the younger generations. The Gen Zs, like you say, they prefer flexibility. They want flexi hours. They are people who want to give back, and so they want time off to go and do other things. Um, they are people who want you to give them uh, data, and, and, and they want to be able to, you know, they want you to, to be transparent. They want you to, uh, to build trust in the workplace. They want to, they are completely different, and so there is collaboration and and learning uh, that happens uh, between the generations. I think 
we as HR need to do more or as a leadership need to do more in making sure that the leadership is actually at that level when they can, where they can recognize that they are actually leading people who want to be led differently. It's not a, a chedza who prefer to have a structured way, processes and, and all that, you know, that make sure that, that guide you in terms of how you want the job to, to be done. Um, the Gen Zs want it done differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just saying that I am actually uh, writing an article that will be out this week and it's about um, navigating ambiguity. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a competence and a skill that is critical for everyone who is going into the workplace mm. because the world that we live in, it's not black and white. Mm. It's it's ambiguous. You need to find your way there and say, how do I still deliver? How do I still reach the outcomes? Even though it's not very clear mm. in terms of where we want to get to. Mm. So um, I think transformation requires that one be adaptive mm. to change and, and be able to find their way um, even though things are not as clear as they should be. So I think those are some of the competences that I would say as a young person going into the market, uh, be prepared to navigate that ambiguity and like I said, be passionate, be hungry and have learning agility want to learn and grow and develop yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I never thought about navigating ambiguity as a skill, but it makes me think about things that are skills that we never thought they are. Like for instance, I think that confidence is a skill. And I think it's something that you can build. It's not something that somebody just ar- someone just arrives at. Um, and so, quite interesting on the aspect of ambiguity. Let's just let's define that. What does that look like in a workspace? Is it you having to make decisions without enough information? Is it you having to jump into a role without proper handover? What does that actually look like? Mm-hmm. So. That's exactly what you just described. You have to make decisions without enough information. So you have to be confident in that the judgment call that I'm making will get me to the outcomes that I want. Mm. And so that is navigating uh, ambiguity. A lot of organizations are transforming and and changing the culture that they used to have, you know, and uh, I think that mindset shift that is required even in terms of the reset agenda, uh, doing things differently and all that, it's not clear uh, for everyone, but you have to do it uh, so that you can get to a place. So some of these skills, like you say, Confidence. I I was, when I started my career, I'm shy. So I'm shy. I didn't have confidence and all that. But it's something that, you know, I learned uh, throughout the process to say, if I'm to survive, if I have to grow uh, my career, I have to be confident. And organizations try to, you know, give you those skills through the courses that they will take you to. Uh, but you also need to then experiment and experience and practice uh, so that you can be competent. Going to go for a quick break. We're having a candid conversation with Ms. Cheza Balopi, a leading HR executive in the country, uh, being Botswana, in case you're watching this podcast from somewhere across the world, talking all things HR, talent, and what you need today as talent to make it in the industry. Conva Lounge, expression, exposure, experience. 
Welcome back to the second half of the conversation uh, where we're speaking to Mecheza Balopi, who is a leading HR talent in the country. He's got 20 plus years of experience working around talent and organization, not just the people aspect of it, but also the culture aspect of it. And so we're talking just a general conversation on an HR's perspective to us, this issue of unemployment, and of course, talking uh, elements that affect the issue of unemployment. So before we went for the break, you spoke about the issue of talent wars, um, looking for talent that is niche, but also scarce in the market, which you pay a premium for. My question to you is this, do you think that talent does not exist or the talent is not visible for you to be able to identify at the point at which you need it in organizations? Do you think that's a possibility? It's a possibility. I think it's a, it's a, it's both. Okay. Um, I think as HR practitioners, it's important that we, because we know the business requirements. But the reason why you are a partner, mm. you are partnering business so that you understand their strategy, you understand where they want to go, and then you are able to say, okay, so these are the skills that will be required for you to get to where you want to go. So as an HR practitioner, you then need to assess, uh, do a skills audit within the organization to say, what skills do we have? What do we need to do to build um, the skills that we require within the organization? If they are non-existent within the organization, if we are going to buy, where do we buy? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's important as an HR practitioner uh, who is in touch, who is strategic, to be able to, to, to map talent and say, Internally, this is the, these are the skills that we have. Externally, these are the skills that we have. Mm-hmm. So it's possible um, that, um, you know, people don't know yeah. where, you know, the talent is. Mm-hmm. But I think when it comes to fresh graduates, it's easier because then you know uh, what does BAC offer? What does the University of Botswana offer? What does Boto offer? Um, are they the skills that we require? If they are not the skills that we require and we need to build, um, we get in the people through graduate programs, through internship programs, and then we are deliberate about the programs that we put them through so that we can then uh, build the skills that we require. Yeah. I think you spoke about earlier the idea of um, how as HR you approach looking for talent. So you have to look at the business, the strategy, where are we heading into the future and what type of skills will we need? And then only at that point do you actually look for talent. My question is this, is there a culture of building talent pipelines or talent communities um, within corporate in Botswana, even if you might not have an immediate intention to absorb that talent? Yes. Okay. Um, It's important. It's critical for you to, as a business, as part of succession planning, you need to make sure that you have the skills that you require, not only now, but in the future. And so you have a talent pool um, internally. And like I said, you also need to make sure that you know what's there outside. If I have Chedza internally as part of the talent pool and she is a successor for a chief executive position and then she leaves, um, who else is out there so that the business doesn't then stop 
and wait while you are training or while you are looking for the right person. Yeah. So that is very important mm-hmm. to make sure that you actually build a talent pool. If the skills are not there now, and you know that in three years' time will require um, a certain caliber of employee, then a graduate development program would help you in terms of that because then you bring in graduates. Normally, they go through an 18, 24 months program and then they are ready to actually um, do what you expect them to do. Okay. So that's how employers would do it. Okay. So earlier on, we spoke about, you know, culture versus competency, that any uh, attitude, I mean, and at any given point, you'd rather hire for attitude and then train for competencies. My question to you is this, particularly around the onboarding process when you get talent. Have you had any scenarios where you hire talent because you believe they've got the right attitude after the onboarding process and after say the first three to six months, you realize, oops, this is not a culture fit. Yeah. It has happened. It it happens a lot where uh, people go through. That's why they are, there's a probation period. Mm. Um, and even for graduates, um, you know, often employers put people through a graduate program and there's no promise that mm. at the end of the 18 months or 24 months you'll be absorbed. Mm. I think that gives um, leaves room uh, for where there is no culture fit because as part of, you know, um, talent attraction, Culture is very important. You want to get in people into the organization who um, connect to your purpose, the purpose of the organization, the philosophy of the organization, uh, people that you know that they are with you, heart, mind, and soul. Um, and so that is important. And I think through the period of probation, then you are able to observe, um, is this a culture fit? I think for me, if you're not a culture fit really, um, then... Uh, it doesn't matter what attitude you have. You have? Yeah. Mm. Okay. I remember a very important point um, when it comes to the labor market currently, the issue of internship. Um, you've got organizations where internship will be three months, then you get an opportunity or you're just given feedback that there's no opportunity, you keep it moving. Then the organizations who will keep a talent in there for 24 months as interns. What are your thoughts on this? Um, Obviously, from a talent point of view, very costly, very demotivating. um, But why do we see such scenarios in industry? From an HR point of view, what are the pros and cons of this? Prolonging talent, entry-level talent for 24 months. I think it's, it's both a good and a bad thing. So there are pros and cons. I think as young graduates... We also need to be saying, what's in it for me? Um, What do I benefit? Um, This employer might be keeping me for 24 months. Maybe they don't even pay me. Mm. But what am I going to get out of it? Do I make sure that because I have an opportunity, there are people out there who don't have an opportunity to be in this internship. Do I make sure that I use the opportunity to learn as much as I can so that I build my experience Mm. for my next opportunity. Because believe you me, there are people out there who will never get the opportunity to get into an internship program. So 
that's an opportunity, a big opportunity. The negative part of it is where employers um, now use these interns uh, to fill substantive uh, uh, jobs or vacancies, mm. and yet they do not reward them. So I think for me, that's where it's unfortunate and it's demoralizing. However, I still say, um, if you are given the opportunity, make use of it so that when you get out of there, you've learned as much as possible. Yeah. Ask uh, for opportunities, ask to be part of projects, you know, make sure that you gain as much experience as, as possible so that when you leave, you are able to say, I have 24 months experience mm -hmm. of doing this. If you are going to uh, be demotivated then you close your eyes to the opportunities that are there around you. I think a lot of people missed even the opportunity to be hired because of the attitude that they didn't show. So they're not giving me a permanent position. I've been here for such a long time. And so I'm not going to do anything. But maybe somebody is actually watching you and thinking, this is my person. Mm -hmm. And you lose the opportunity because of the attitude um, that you then give. Sounds to me like you have to have a bit of initiative. The idea of asking what's in it for me. The idea of crafting your portfolio of experiences when you're in an organization and chatting your career path or your career tra trajectory. Who do you think this responsibility lies on? The idea of crafting what's in it for this talent or what's the future for this talent is it the talent in itself alone or it's talent plus perhaps the functional head as well as the hr department w what does that look like from your point of view it's a joint responsibility mm. i am the employee i have a responsibility i know what my career aspirations are mm. and so I do need to collaborate with the line manager to then say, these are my career aspirations. This is where I want to go in terms of my career path. How do you help me? And then you, you engage, you know, you engage, you have a conversation around, you know, maybe I don't see things the way you see them. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is where your strength, strength lies. Uh, why don't you consider this? So it's an engagement, a, a, a conversation that you have with your line manager being a sponsor. Mm -hmm. And then you come up with your development program. Um, you do your career pathing. And then they sponsor you in terms of the training, the exposure, opportunities, whether they mentor you or they find a, help you find a mentor, a, a coach, uh, so that you can then build your, your profile. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the issue of diversity in the work workplace. Um, it's a big, big issue. Um, as an HR uh, professional, what are you seeing um, in terms of uh, creating diversity in workspaces? It could be uh, multi-generational. It could be the type of talent, unconventional talent that you bring into your organization. It could be members of the LGBTQT community. Um, it could be those that are differently abled. Um, what are your thoughts on creating diverse um, workspaces and workforces and organizations? I think if you are an organization and your talent um, management strategy does not include um, diversity and inclusion or your HR strategy does not include diversity and inclusion, then you are missing a huge opportunity because um, you need to recognize that you know, um, talent is diverse and you want to bring in people 
who think differently uh, like you know those groups that you described you know it could be women it could be men it could be people who are differently abled um all those groups you actually need them in the workplace for you to be able to achieve um your strategy so if there is any organization that does not have diversity and inclusion as a strategy uh, or as a focus area then they are actually missing out on a big opportunity that includes also making sure that you bring in people not only Botswana you bring in people that are from outside Botswana because they do th- things differently they are from a different culture and they see things differently from a different perspective so it's important uh, to also bring in people from uh, different countries uh, different cultures uh, so that you can have a a winning organization hmm. and of course wherever there is diversity or differences in culture there also you know an issue a lot of conflict as well a lot of um, resistance um, but also just um, the idea of health, having healthy workspaces or healthy working um environments it's a big big issue um in the world of work your thoughts on this especially as somebody who has been in roles like um focusing specifically on people and culture um how do you approach creating healthy workspaces i think when it comes to diversity and inclusion you need to prepare the workforce um we have unconscious bias Mm. I might have bias I might be biased against a certain group um so it's important to be deliberate in training and and your employees to actually understand so especially when you are implementing your diversity and inclusion strategy to say these are these people are different um this is what you should expect this is how you deal with them and all that so that uh, you know that unconscious bias is actually eliminated um the conflicts in the workplace i think issues of mental health i think it's something that as an employer we prepare employees for i think there is training around conflict resolution how do you resolve conflict in the workplace um you also touch on issues of emotional intelligence um how do you react when there is conflict either as an employee or as a as a leader how do you resolve conflict in the in the in the workplace so that there is mutual you know understanding and we can work together um as a team in harmony um and issues of mental health I think that is something that is a topical right now and I think as employers and especially as human resources practitioners uh, we have strategies in place around wellness of employees because of recognition that you want an employee that is whole whole as in when they come in they can give you 100% they are whole at work at the at home um the environment in which they live in uh, is conducive uh, such that when they come to your workplace they can actually give you 100% so employers are actually investing in making sure that the employee is well um at work and at home so i think um issues of mental health are issues that employers are actually taking very seriously that wa- that's why you find that they would have engaged uh, vendors that actually um provide psychosocial counseling they provide all sorts of um uh, services to employees just to make sure that they are supported and and can bring the best version of themselves to the workplace mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So last question I have for you still I think more towards employment creation. Um your thoughts around 
Um, you spoke that organizations have to think about where they're going and then sort of create a skills audit and identify the skills that they need. At, on the other hand, I'm thinking, do you think there is a need or an opportunity for industry to bring communities into those conversations? Because I think, for instance, as talent, from the moment you get into tertiary or even secondary, when you're starting to make a career choice or career decision and the amount of discipline and focus you're going to need uh, to become a certain of a certain profession or a certain, to have certain expertise, you need to have an end goal in mind and know that this is where this is leading to. And I imagine if talent, even as small as secondary school, if they knew that um, X organization in 20 years, it sees itself doing one, two, three. And these are the type of skills that are going to need. Therefore, this is the career choice that I'm going to start to focus on. Do you think there's an opportunity uh, for organizations to bring in communities into the conversations around their future? Yes, I think it's important. I think it's it's critical. Um, in the organization, the most recent organization that I worked for, um, they adopted um, a school. And part of it was for that reason, mm. not only to make sure that uh, they are supported to get the uh, best results, but also to educate around the skills that are required um, mm -hmm. going forward. Mm. And I think if a lot more organizations could actually do that in terms of engaging um, with stakeholders right from primary school so that you understand where the world is going mm. um, and we make sure that we prepare. Um, I think a lot more collaboration with institutions of learning mm -hmm. um, just to make sure that there is that alignment around what are the skills that we require. Um, um, when you are actually running this program, is it actually um, delivering the skills that are required in the market or is it just a program? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the graduate will be degreed, uh, but, you know, the employers are not looking for that skill anymore. Like I said, um, where we are now, there are certain skills that are actually required mm -hmm. uh, that a young graduate need to make sure that they, they have if they are to be competitive. Thank you so much for joining us on the Como Launch podcast. I don't know if there's any last words you'd like to say to anybody who's listening in talent that might have found this conversation interesting. I think my last words is just to encourage um, young graduates to say, even when the opportunities are scarce, look for what else you can do. Um, build skills, build competences. I think the benefit of being agency is that you learn every day and you learn digitally and there is so much that you can learn that can actually be transferred uh, to the workplace so that when you do get an opportunity, you can actually say, actually, this is the training that I've actually, um, you know, taken on, on whatever platform that is out there. And also to say, sometimes it's not about the degree um, that you actually have. You may be an engineer, but a bank may actually, you know, turn you into, you know, a very, very, very um, talented uh, banker. So don't be focused on this is the degree, this is the training that I did. Look out to diversify and do other things. Even self-employment. You know, <laughs> thank you so much. And that's it on the HR couch. I hope you found this conversation as insightful as I did. Remember, 
Convalange Africa across all social media platforms. Looking forward to being in touch with you and hearing your feedback um, on this particular conversation. Convalange, expression, exposure, experience.